Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Good evening, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends. I'm really excited to be introducing you to a dear friend of mine. Her name is Sandra Roach. Sandra is a change agent with enthusiasm to inspire others to move forward with power. As a life coach, she enables individuals to set goals, create action plans, and celebrate success. With an extensive experience of juggling multiple roles, she provides strategies for work-life balance, time management, and personal effectiveness. Roach holds a BS in electrical engineering with minors in math and physics. Shortly after graduating, her genuine passion for coaching and mentoring transitioned her into education. Her technical and analytical background has been instrumental in the success of her position as a director and founder of the Tutoring Tree. The Tutoring Tree provides supplemental services to students in various subjects specializing in math topics ranging from basic math to calculus. And Roach has also authored books, Alina's Options, Careers from A to Z, and STEM Navigators, Pathways to Achievement in Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. She has served on executive boards of organizations that promote leadership and effective communication, such as the Urban League of Greater Cleveland and my favorite, Eastside Toastmasters. So friends, uh, this is a very uh, interesting conversation and I and also very inspiring uh, take on how do you go about finding your passion How do you actually implement a business around your passion? So this gives you a blueprint of going after your dreams. So I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Sandra Roach. Good evening, uh, Sandra. Welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends. I'm really excited that you took some time to be on the show. And let me start off with my first impressions of you. This was almost like 10 or 12 years ago when we first met, and this was in Cleveland, Ohio. We met at the Eastside Toastmasters meeting, and uh, and I my I distinctly remember that you and your husband Isaac uh, had come to attend this meeting. And the first thing that uh, stood out for me is just what a wonderful couple you are. And uh, and just that you had, both of you had such an uh, amazing presence and like you guys were radiating joy and laughter. I mean, just, just by being in that room. And I knew recently, uh, the last couple of years, I've seen your growth as a coach and a life coach and helping out uh, the millennials and and I knew that uh, it would be a great idea to have you on the show and uh, have you share your insights and uh, wisdom with our audience. So again, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you for having me, Cal. And what a great memory. I'm, I'm glad that's what we exuded as a couple and because it takes work. And I'm glad that we're having this opportunity to share and talk. 
Excellent. So one of the ways that we kick off our show is by asking our guest a very simple question, and that is, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? Well, the fa- my favorite quote is, to make your dreams come true, you have to put in the work that's due. And that quote, actually, I came up with it a few years ago because um, as a tutor, I was working with a student and I was done working with her. And after we were done with our session, I told her to study for her exam that was happening the next day. But instead, she chose to go up and just do whatever. And her mom stressed a concern. And so I remember leaving and going home and thinking to myself, I can help uh, I can help my students write out note cards, do an outline, get them all organized, prep them, test them, but I can't sit down and take the exam for them. And I ultimately, I, it's, it's their goal, it's their dream. And I thought to myself, you know, in order to make your dreams come true, you have to put in the work um, that's due. And I thought, and it came to me, I'm like, wow. And so that's how I work um, on a daily basis. If I'm going after my dream, in any task, any goal that you're putting set for or whatever I want to attain, I know there has to be a plan and it needs to be work to attain that dream. No, I like that. I totally agree with uh, the fact that, you know, dreams need to be uh, followed up with action. You know, I think there's a saying that goes something like, uh, you know, vision without actions or execution is a delusion. And Mm. uh, that is so, uh, you know, I totally agree with that. Now, what I'm curious about, Chandra, is uh, I know that uh, you hold a bachelor's in electrical engineering. Is that correct? (laughs) That is correct. Wow. And then... uh, and also, you've been an author of uh, books like Alina's Options, Careers from A to Z, and uh, STEM Navigators. Uh, and and now you're a life coach and a mentor to millennials. And I want to kind of get into that a little bit uh, down the road here uh, during the podcast. But what I'm curious about is, uh, how did this journey began for you? Did you always know that you wanted to be a coach? Or how did the story unfold for you? Wow, that's a great question. So the way the story unfolded for me, um, let me think. So shortly after graduating with my degree, I graduated um, after September 11th. So, you know, you go to school, you get your degree, and they say that you're going to interview and get your jobs. (laughs) But shortly after, for those who are around, a lot of um, companies were not hiring at the time. And so what ended up happening to me was some of the um, companies I was initially was going to work with, some engineering companies, they had to take back their offers because we went through a hiring freeze. And so growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what happened was uh, everyone's saying, hey, Sandra, you don't have to, you don't, why do you want to be a teacher? Um, You're too smart. I'm like, what? So I ended up majoring in engineering. And, and so I felt that this chance was the only opportunity I can go back to teaching. So I graduated, moved back to Fort Lauderdale and I started teaching, but then um, at, 
teaching, I, I was really happy. And then I told myself I should give myself, uh, give engineering a chance. So I did end up uh, working in the engineering field. But as I was sitting in that cubicle, <laughs> it's something when you feel like, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I, I like it, but it wasn't my calling. And I remember talking to one of my coworkers and I was like, hey, do you like your job? Why are you here? And he said, it pays the bills. And I thought to myself, it pays the bills. And I felt that that was not my story. And I felt that I was called to do more. So I did end up leaving the, the engineering uh, company and starting my own tutoring company. But as I was doing the tutoring, um, I did end up writing the book, The Alina's Options Careers from A to Z. And that book features multiple careers. And I just looked at, opened the book one time and I was like, well, Alina has options. Sandra has options. So from then on, as I was doing the research for, um, I landed on the page, the L and life coach was on there. And, um, as one night I was just researching and I came across one of those ads, you know, in the middle of the night (laughs) when, uh, you're just reading and something came out, say, do you like encouraging people? And I'm like, yeah. Do you feel fulfilled in this and that? So I kept saying yes. And I realized, and it said, you are meant to be a life coach. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and so I did the research and I ended up going through a certification program. But what um, ultimately, as I was, as I work with students and I have the gift of encouragement, exhortation, So when I work with students and when I work with clients, I become their personal cheerleader. And I found out that as I was working with my students, the parents needed encouraging as well. And so it just kind of naturally went into the coaching. And I have not turned around, uh, turned back since. It's been such such a pleasure just to help and, um, and let people know that you don't have to feel stuck in your situation. Um, you can move forward, and you all you have to do is set goals and um, of course yeah. actions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, actions. And this is such an inspiring story, Sandra. So uh, what I'm hearing you share is, growing up, you always wanted to be a teacher, but then uh, you know there was a peer pressure or society's pressure that you know you yeah. should pursue something else because the uh, you know the expectation of you as being smart should have been like you know taking on something bigger. So you ended up being an engineer. And then uh, just because of circumstances, the job market wasn't uh, exactly uh, appealing at the time. And so uh, so you ended up eventually uh, becoming uh, an engineer to pursue that and see if it's indeed something that you might like. And then and and what you found out is that wasn't your calling. And then you started tutoring and then uh, you uh, came across this option of as a, as a life coach. And that resonated with you, it seems like, and then uh, and then that's where you found your uh, voice or your vocation, if you will, and uh, and you haven't turned back since then. And uh, so that is such such an inspiring story. And I want to kind of get into it a little deeper here. So you mentioned that you started a tutoring company. So 
Tell us about that. How did that, you know, if somebody wants to start a tutoring company, it's not something that you just, uh, you know, go next door and put up a sign and say, <laughs> hey, you know, this is, I'm a new tutor or whatever. So what did you exactly have to do to even even think about starting a tutoring company? Was it difficult? What Was it easy? What was the process like for you? And when did you get end up getting your first client? And how did that work out? Oh, so... Um, the way I got my first tutoring client, my husband, okay, here's the funny story. So we moved here um, to Cleveland, Ohio from Florida. Just my husband's from California. I'm from Florida and we ended up in Cleveland. So once we got here, um, I didn't know anybody. And so I was just sitting there and I was kind of bored with my uh, baby because I had my daughter there. And so he said, well, why don't you just tutor? Because I had tutored before and um, just on the side. And I was like, well, I don't know. He, I was like, so how do you do that? He said, just get a card. I'm thinking, really? You just get a card? <laughs> Is that how you do it? And he goes, yeah, sure. And so I ended up getting a card and the card just said, Sandra Roach, math tutor. And I was like, okay. And the great thing about it, he even got uh, got me my first client. So <laughs> I ended up tutoring Algebra 2. Um, uh, well, I had one client that year. Then that one client turned into two clients. And then I was thinking, oh, this is not bad at all. So and then so after I did that, I was like, OK, this thing is actually working. So I, I started passing the card out more. <laughs> and before I knew it, um, one client turned into three clients in one year. And then the following year, um, word started getting out. I, I did flyers. So um, the great thing about a tutoring company, um, all you need was a pencil and paper and a space. So I started off just tutoring at the library. And um, at the time, I didn't, I wasn't working. I was a stay-at-home mom, so I just did it um, just for fun. And then that's when I eventually did go into working into the engineering firm. As I was working at the engineering firm, I still had people I was tutoring afterwards. And that's why it was a smoother transition. When I decided to leave, I told my husband, um, I want to quit my engineering job and he looked at me like okay <laughs> <laughs> and but the great thing about him he said is that gonna make you happy and I said yes it is he goes well okay and I'm like great <laughs> I ended up um renting a, lo a space in South Euclid and I thought to myself if I build it they will come Cal, they did not come. <laughs> and there were many afternoons. I sat there and I, I rented out a storefront and I just kind of watched students go by and I was thinking, why are they coming? I know they don't have straight A's. They need help. <laughs> but I sat there and I was like, what's going on, honey? And then I thought to myself, location, location, location. So I ended up... Um, leaving South Euclid and going to another suburb. But what ended up happening, it's all about connection and collaboration because I 
came across a young lady who, I don't know how she got my information, but she, somehow we connected and I told her about the book, my, my, the careers book and the, the tutoring. And she said, I'm going to get you clients. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're on my team. We have words. And she, all it starts, she started off with one client and, um, the one in that one client, they could not meet me at my center. And so I had to go to the school to tutor. And that's what happened. So once you end up in a school and they see you, people are going to wonder, Hey, what's going on? So, um, my, my business grew by word of mouth. And so what ended up happening, I, I did end up, uh, not though getting rid of my overhead because I had my center. My husband after two years said, you didn't need a center. And I said, yes, honey, I do need a center. Sylvan has a center. Sylvan <laughs> <laughs> has a center. <laughs> I want a center as well. But as I look back, I probably didn't. But, you know, sometimes we have to go through certain situations to realize um, that it wasn't meant for you. So now I can clearly tell anybody if you don't really need a center, you don't need a brick and mortar location for a tutoring company, because that is my specialty, because I've been doing it over 15 plus years. Um, you just need the libraries are pretty good. And you just need someone that's going to actually help you. Um, you don't have to do it by yourself. If you can kind of partner up with some schools and different organizations and um, print out those flyers and post them up in those community boards around, um, you'll start seeing the clients grow. But then also you have to have results. You, you, your kids can't come to you at C's and stays at C's or come with F's and stay at F's. You have to have growth. So, And that's where what happened. Now, that is so remarkable. And the, the, what I'm seeing is a pattern or a trend here from your sharing is that one, that you are definitely a go-getter. It's something that, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you once you get your mindset, you go after it. And that's such an incredible skill and a trait to have as an entrepreneur. And secondly, what a lovely thing to say by Isaac to say, you know, does that make you happy? And if so, let's go and I'm willing to support you. And, you know, oftentimes you need that partnership. It could be part of the family as well as uh, as that young girl coming to you and saying, let let me help you get clients. And then, uh, and then you know, partnership is something that you are open to and uh, willing to accept from others because a lot of people have trouble accepting help because they all want to do it on their own. But I think it's a very smart thing to just be open to receiving help. And then the third thing, what I'm also seeing and hearing is, uh, obviously, uh, besides producing the results, that oftentimes we get caught up in this uh, idea that, you know, you got to have all the ducks lined up to get started. Like, for example, you got to have a space and you got to have the website and you got to have, uh -huh. uh, you know, the uh, all kinds of like, uh, you know, a business set up already and you know, all that stuff is all is important, but it doesn't have to be all ready to go on day one. I think uh, you could get started uh, using the eighty twenty rule, right? And and I think that's you did all of that, and and it's it's an inspiration for anyone, regardless of if they are starting a tutoring company or if they are starting uh, just a you know uh, like a yoga business or a acupuncture business. Or it doesn't matter what kind of uh, business they are starting. 
you know, you don't need to have everything going and ready day one. You can build it as uh, as you kind of like learn and grow along the way. Now, that's so beautiful and so inspiring. So um, my next question to you is, I'm curious about is, uh, Sandra, you said you grew up in Florida, correct? Correct. So what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? Well, my parents are um, are immigrants of Haitian descent. And so um, that definitely shaped my life drastically because coming into the United States, the whole purpose for coming and for, for most immigrants is for opportunities. And so um, they ended up working in the hotels and hospitality as uh, as uh, maid. And my mom eventually ended up work, becoming a nurse's assistant. Um, but for the most part, as I watched them work hard um, upon coming to the United States, and they did all of that just so me, uh, so so I can have a better life and my siblings could have a better life, that really pushed me. And because I'm so, I guess, very goal-oriented, because they did that, the whole purpose of coming to the States was for a better life. I, my goal was to get a better life. It was to get an education and, um, and make them proud. So um, that, that, that meant so much to me. No, it's uh, great. And, and yeah, and so you definitely, I'm sure you definitely made your parents proud with your accomplishments. And, you know, the the term I, I like to uh, use here is, uh, you know, me being an immigrant as well. Uh, is like, you know, we have this immigrant's edge that is the hard work, the work ethic, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, the dreams of uh, creating something that, uh, uh, you know, that benefits the community and the society. And like, really, I mean, that's what the Silicon Valley has been, uh, you know, you see all the wonderful technology uh, endeavors and projects and companies that have started by uh, immigrants and entrepreneurs. It just is very inspiring. So uh, my next question to you is, Sandra, you know, most of the people that we've uh, interviewed on this show, uh, the common theme or the through line that we've noticed is they have encountered challenges and setbacks. And uh, but the difference is those challenges and setbacks could be like, you know, could be regarded as failures for for an average person. But these people somehow did not see it that way. They had a different perspective on it. They used that as a learning uh, opportunity. They used it as a stepping stone to uh, take on even bigger challenges along the way. So my question to you is, what were one or two biggest challenges that you faced in your life and how did you overcome it and what lessons have you learned from them that has helped you navigate life going forward? Hmm, what big one. Let me think. Well, okay, so transitioning um, from education. Well, I'm still in education, but the whole coaching business. One of the failures that I can think of is when I decided that I still remember it was like a December because often because of my personality, I'm pretty vibrant. I'm very positive. And people always ask me, what are you, why you're always so happy? You know, what are you on? And I'm like, well, I'm high off of life. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and then I thought to myself, I, I, I started getting 
that question often. And I was thinking, what's keeping people from being happy or being positive or, or once they look into the mirror and try to figure out what's going on. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start having goal setting workshops and I'm going to invite my friends. I'm going to feed them and all they need to do is bring a paper and pencil and I'll take care of the rest. So I remember doing that and everyone was excited about their new year's resolution. And I'm like, I'm great. And then I'm like, when's the next meeting? And I thought to myself, huh? Uh, I didn't know this was going to continue on. So I left, um, I stopped doing it in my kitchen dining room and I went to look, get a space <laughs> and do it. But then I realized and actually charge for um, the workshop. That did not go well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I realized people are comfortable with getting things um, for free as opposed to paying for it. So what I ended up doing, I still, despite um, the low turnout, I kept having these workshops and I did them quarterly, money coming out of my pocket. And it would start off strong, but then the numbers would dwindle. And I remember looking at my husband, Isaac, and I said, honey, why, why won't people set goals and get results? And he just looked at me. He goes, sweetie, it's okay. Um, whoever's supposed to be here is, go, is w w will be, will show up or will come. And I was, I was kind of bummed because I felt like I'm just trying to help. And so at the time, I, I was just kind of down. And I, was, I just thought, um, I barely, was, I didn't really promote it. And the numbers were low. So I, in my mind, I, I was impacting lies at you know in a small state <laughs> but I was I every time I was done with the workshop everyone was said um, I had positive reviews and I still remember one time it was like third quarter and I probably had about four people show up to the workshop and I said it again to my husband and he goes you don't worry he goes this is your practice stage and I looked at him I was like practice stage he goes you're just practicing right now. You um, you present like this room is full. And he just gave me a hug. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, long and behold, he was right. Um, I guess word, I, um, word got out because I was working with someone. You know, when you kind of start off and you're kind of testing things out. So I had a friend of mine who I was coaching um, just, you know, for, for free and for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so so I would check up on her we would set goals I hold held her accountable I made sure she everything was great and she told um shared my information with someone um and I ended up um someone reached out to me and I presented at a conference and this conference it was on time management work-life balance setting effective goals. Um, I do power goals. And so the same things I was working on, on during these goals workshop, I presented at a conference. And this conference were for uh, postdocs and um, doctoral students in the computer engineering field. And it was over 100 uh, participants there. And that's when I realized um, it all came to, uh, together. 
when my husband said this was your practice stage, I realized it was practice for that stage. And I am so thankful that I just kept going. It felt like I was failing when I kept doing and spending all this money with low turnout, but it ended up working out um, because it prepped me and it came to a part it came time to where if that presentation was there, I knew the the, the the material so well, I could have gone on without it. That is that is incredibly inspiring. And uh, it's amazing that uh, Isaac had that words of wisdom for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I totally can see this being a stumbling block for so many people and so many young entrepreneurs, right? Uh, uh, even uh, people who are just starting out with uh, a lot of corporate experience that they often get demoralized and dejected that uh, the first few times uh, things don't work their way. And, and and the key here is to keep persisting. And I think the mindset shift that you talked about is using that as a platform for practice eventually led to uh, opportunities and that that is something that we all need to learn from this experience that you've had and keep that in mind. That's very, very uh, true and very inspiring. Now, my next question to you is uh, just taking a walk down the memory lane, Sandra. Um, so growing up, who were your mentors? Anybody that uh, you looked up to and you idolized and uh, what fascinated uh, you, uh, about you about them? Hmm, growing up. Well, growing up was tough because I think that's why I went into coaching because I didn't really have someone that kind of paved the path for me. So that's why I'm so dedicated to helping others um, and being a mentor myself, especially for millennials. But as in my adult life, I still remember for one of my... uh, I was sitting senior year, um, engineering student, and I was thinking to myself, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> and I was uh, I was the corporate liaison for one of my organization, one of my engineering uh, clubs. And we had a speaker come. And I, st- I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, I want to do that. <laughs> and so and. Um, I sat there and I was thinking, I want to do what he's doing. You know, he's an engineer, but he's speaking. But mind you, I was terrified to speak in front of people. So I ended up after the presentation was done, we went out afterwards and he left and then he resided. I found out he was coming to Orlando at the time. And so I, um, his name was Dr. Calvin Mackey and um, so I reached out to him when I found out he was coming and um, we decided my husband and I, well, we weren't husband and wife yet when I was dating him. He gives great advice. He said, you should invite him out to dinner. So I invited him out to dinner and I asked him, I told him I, I, I really enjoyed his, the last time he spoke and I want to do what he, do, what he does. And he told me to join Toastmasters and I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's the first step. And so, and that's why I joined Toastmasters because I was to the point where when I did presentations, my knees knocked. Uh, the first 60 seconds was just, well, actually the first 120 seconds were brutal for me. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, if there, 
if there wasn't a podium in front of me, you would have seen uh, my knees knocking and my voice trembling. I was just so scared um, speaking. But once I got over the initial hump, I was able to kind of work through my presentation. But it wasn't until I joined Toastmasters, it allowed me to, you know, hone in on a skill that I had within. And um, it's it was great. And so um, so I would say um, he was uh, someone I looked up to at that that stage of my life, because that would that's what caused me or gave me an option of potentially speaking, because I never thought about being a speaker ever, (laughs) ever. So um, and so that's what happened. No, that is so great. And uh you know, and you're absolutely right. There is like this fear of public speaking, and I think Toastmasters is such a great platform for people to really hone their communication skills and leadership skills. And uh, it's such a great skill to have, regardless of what your profession is, what your occupation is, or uh, you know, if you're a solo entrepreneur or if you're leading a multi-million dollar or even a billion dollar organization. Uh, so highly, highly recommend uh, that people look into joining Toastmasters. It's a nonprofit organization with uh, uh, with an outreach in more than 146 countries, and uh, it's a great uh, uh, group of people uh, and uh, to learn from and grow with. So, uh, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, uh, Sandra Roach has authored books, uh, Alina's Options, and. Uh, the STEM navigator. She's uh, served on the executive boards of organizations that promote leadership and effective communication, such as the Urban League of Greater Cleveland, as well as uh, Toastmasters uh, in Cleveland. So I want to get into your coaching practice here, uh, Sandra. I know that uh, you are referred to as the millennial mentor. (laughs) So why the millennials? Why the millennials? Because I love them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I know every time people think about millennials and they have all this uh, negative tags that come along with them. But the reason why I chose millennials is because uh, a lot of my uh, clients were millennials. And oftentimes when you think of millennials, you're thinking about the 20 somethings. But, you know, millennials range um, from anyone born around 1980 to 2000. So you have the the 20 somethings, but you also have the 30 somethings. So there are mature and wise millennials out there doing their thing. Um, And then you have the ones that are, you know, just coming in and kind of, you know, giving some people the blues. <laughs> but the reason why I chose millennials is because as I, some of my clients right now are, uh, just recently, one of my students that I uh, tutored um, in high school for math just finished her PhD. So, and she's a millennial. And I have students that are starting families or I have have another one that just graduated from Cornell University. So um, the reason why I chose millennials, remember when I said that growing up, I didn't really have any want to kind of pave the way for me. Mm-hmm. I feel that millennials, they're, um, they need help sometimes mastering transition and change. And I feel that, you know, they're special and 
they adult differently and it's okay. <laughs> no, that is so great. And, uh, and I really am inspired by, you know, your work with the younger generation and helping them uh, achieve their goals and uh, dreams. And, and it's, uh, it's really uh, fantastic what you do. Uh, I was going through your blog post, and one of your popular blog posts out there is about obstacles and distractions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that an obstacle is something that stands in the way of progress, and it can be tangible or intangible, whereas distraction is something that prevents someone from giving full attention to something uh, something else. Can you talk a little bit about that? All right. So um, oftentimes people kind of use uh, obstacle interchange obstacle and distraction. But the way I differentiate between both of them, so think of this road, you have this path ahead of you, right? So I call it the path of purpose. (laughs) So um, on this path of of purpose, obstacles are actually on the path. So think of a boulder, okay? Um, If you have a boulder in the way, Somehow, you, you know, in order to get on the other side, you have to get past this boulder. You have to overcome this obstacles. So you're either going to dig through it. You're going to go un, um, dig through it, go under, go around, but you're going to try to get rid of it, right? And through that process, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get wiser. And the obstacle is on that path. Now, distractions take you away from the path. So you're on this path and you look to the left and you see a squirrel. Sometimes I call it chasing squirrels. <laughs> so you see a squirrel on the right side. And you're like, oh, okay, look at the squirrel. And the squirrel kind of maneuver its way through the woods and you're following the squirrel. <laughs> Next thing you know, you look up and you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm not on the path of purpose anymore but the great thing about distractions once you realize you're distracted you can find your way back to the path of purpose so obstacles are on the path and you just have to overcome them they make you stronger but distraction takes you off course Oh, and you I have like to work your way back. And so uh, that's how I distinguish the two. No, that is so great. And uh, it's, it reminds me of uh, the concept of distractions being, uh, you know, like having all these social media Uh, distractions that we have and essentially every time you get an email or every time you get a facebook like or post or things of that nature it distracts you from really putting your attention on the task at hand and i you know there was some recent study that was done they said it takes roughly anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes to get back your get your focus back Mm -hmm. on uh, on the project or the task at hand so definitely uh, distractions can be a detour uh, to your actual goal and uh, what you're uh, uh, aiming for. Now, that is such a beautiful point. And the other thing that I also noticed was this incredible post you had on your site, uh, by the way, which is called uh, SandraRoach.com. Is that? uh, Yes, (laughs) SandraRoach.com. And uh, you talked about this concept of a power switch. And uh, just to kind of give a little context here, So I live in Seattle, and as you know, we don't have a lot of sunny days. And uh, the first time when I moved to Seattle uh, was almost uh, six years ago from sunny San Diego. Mm 
Mm. And uh, I had a real hard time adjusting to the weather patterns. And oftentimes, if the days were sunny, I felt good because that's what I was used to in San Diego. And if the yeah. days were cloudy, which is probably, uh, you know, 200 days in a year, roughly, uh, you know, it would impact your moods. And it took me a while to really take on that the concept of it, regardless of what the weather is, mm-hmm. I can be cheerful, I can be a positive, I can be, you know, it has no impact on how I feel and how I act. And you talk something similar about that. So could you talk about the power switch and how can people turn on the power switch? All right, when I think about, about uh, the power switch, it's when you look at the power switch, it's either on or off. And so my whole purpose when I'm working with clients is to help them turn on to life, turn on to their dreams. Oftentimes, like you said, on those dim days or cloudy days, your your first instinct is to think, oh, dreary and gloomy. But the way you turn on is to think, um, just think of this bubble. You're in this bubble and whenever negative things are approaching you or conditions, just think of the, sh- the shield and you're just counteracting them. They're bouncing off. So the way I help, um, I, I, I actually keep my power switch on is to through positive affirmations. So you have to, um, so bad days or well, not so good days will come. So I rather be proactive as opposed to reactive. So you don't want to wait for the cloudy days or the rainy days or the negative Nancy's in your life or um, the things that's going to go, the, the lemons. <laughs> Create a plan to wh- whether things go are good or bad that you're going to keep a positive mindset. You're going to think of, because um, when I think of power, power is defined by the ability to do work. So it's going to take work to get yourself out of that mood. It's going to take work to think about something positive. It's going to take work to say, hey, the sun didn't come out today. It's gloomy outside, but today is going to be a great day. And you know what I do every morning, <laughs> depending on the day. So Mondays, I have marvelous Mondays. So marvelous Mondays, terrific Tuesdays, wonderful Wednesdays, tremendous Thursdays, fabulous Fridays, spectacular Saturdays, and super Sundays. Oh, I love and that's that. How I-, <laughs> I love that. That is beautiful. And uh, now this is something very similar that, and I, I see what you're doing there. It's uh, you've defined a context, if you will, for your how you set up your week, and then that totally has an impact on your attitude. And you also mentioned you do affirmations. Is that correct? Correct. Great, great. And that is something that uh, most successful people that I've come in touch with have something similar of. Uh, a practice. I know that Tony Robbins talks about managing a state and he uses a concept called priming. Uh, and there is a great book out there by a Harvard psychologist or a professor uh, by the name of Sean Aker. The book is called The Happiness Advantage, uh, where he talks mm-hmm. about having a gratitude practice and uh, really trying to step out of your comfort zone and like uh, stretching yourself and uh, you know, making somebody else's day. And those kind of little tasks 
can really brighten up your own day. And, uh, you know, I use a combination of all that and it served me well. So I like this idea of naming your day. And I think I'm going to adopt that practice too. It's awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, excellent. So I'm going to ask, so what are some of your favorite hobbies and interests, Sandra? What do you do like when you're not coaching and uh, speaking and taking care of your kids and family? So what are some of the things you like to do? Oh, my goodness, isn't that a whole lot? That's why I talk about ba- the balancing act because I do all of that every day. So my favorite hobby is rest and relaxation. Mm. And so what I do is because a lot of, like I'm constantly helping or solve, I solve problems every single day. I'm solving problems, whether I'm helping people create the life they want to live through coaching or I'm helping a student solve a derivative problem in calculus, I'm constantly working my brain. It's working, working. And so I can tell when I'm tired if I can't sleep. So if I'm going to sleep and I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning, that means I'm exhausted. So um, what I usually do, um, I schedule a massage. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So I, I schedule a massage to kind of just relax or I, I use aromatherapy. So I'll have a scented candle or, you know, a vanilla scented candle. I set the mood before I go to sleep at night. So I kind of dim the lights prior to going in so I can tell my brain it's time. No more problem solving. You have to get ready. And that's what I do. I just try to just relax that way because and the great thing about my family because they see what I do on a daily basis once I I start the wind down process they know okay she's tired and she just needs um, a few minutes so that's what I do I just kind of just relax because I have to I believe that I have in order for me to help others I have to be my best self no, that is so great, and I think uh, we should all take time to uh, rest, relax, uh, and uh, you know enjoy some recreation so that it uh, energizes us and uh, helps us, uh, you know, get Recharge. ready for the absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's great. So, uh, my next question to you is, and I'm curious about this, Sandra, is having seen the ebb and flow of life. What's your definition of success and how would you define greatness? My definition of success. Well, I believe success is based on an individual's personal growth. So um, there's an activity I do when I coach um when I coach my clients where I have them gauge their satisfaction level. So based on wherever they are, so from a scale of zero to 10, if they're at a four, so wherever they are at that that time. And then after we go through the process and we create a plan and um, we work through it. So three months later, we'll, I'll have them do the same test again. And if they're, they went from a four to a six, that's growth and that's success. You see what I'm saying? I feel that your success, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be compared to someone else's. 
It's how you experience growth in those various aspects of your life. That's where success comes from. And when it comes to greatness, I feel once you find your passion and you actually pursue it, you're showing greatness. I like that. That's so great. So success, from what I'm hearing you share, is success is really about progress. It's uh, progress equals happiness, as they say it. And uh, greatness is about once you find your calling and you're living your legend, that's greatness. Essentially. Mm-hmm. I yes. love that. I totally love that. Okay, awesome. So we're going to move on to our next section, uh, Sandra. This is uh, these are some of the questions that we have gotten from our audiences. And uh, the first question for you is, uh, what, in your opinion, stops people from achieving their full potential? Well, I would say fear is always number one. People say that all the time because you, it, it really, fear immobilizes you at times. But I would say also comparison. When you start comparing um, comparing your life to others or you're comparing other people's successes to you, that may uh, cause you from achieving your full potential. I usually think you don't know other people's story. Sometimes you see the glory of people, but you don't know what it took to get there. So you can't compare yourself to their greatness. So, um, or sometimes people feel that um, because someone is success, they're measuring up. They, do, they may feel that they can't get to that point. And so that may stop them. So I would say that from reaching your full potential, um, it would be fear. It would be comparison and then lack of purpose. I like that. So fear, comparison, and then lack of purpose. And I agree about this concept of comparison because... I think there's that uh, old Zen saying, which goes something like this, and I may be uh, paraphrasing this now that, you know, when you compare to yourself, somebody who's not doing as well as you, you know, you you kind of like become vain. And when you compare yourself with somebody who's better than you, then, uh, you know, you feel better. Uh, mm. for, and uh, now that's such a great point. And then having a purpose in life really... Uh, uh, separates you from like everything else that uh, normally can hook you, if you will, because then you're living your calling, you're living your, uh, you know, your mission in life. And that gives you the energy, the passion uh, to not even, uh, you know, get and stumble with all these uh, usual things like fear and comparison and even having uh, dealing with any kind of identity crisis, if you will, that people struggle with. No, that is awesome. So the next question is, uh, when you look back at your life, Sandra, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned about life in general and that you would like to uh, share with our audience? Um, I would say stay true to yourself. Um, um, be your authentic self. At times, um we look at others and we want to be them. But um, I found myself a couple of times, like just, I feel, I know when I, I'm trying to think of, think through this. So I remember when I graduated and I was an engineer, my parents were very ecstatic and I was like, okay. And at some point I thought, oh my goodness, do I really like doing this? 
um, but because my heart and calling was for education. And so I found myself getting my degree, um, going into education, loving it. But then there was something that told me, go ahead and give this engineering thing a chance. And one of the main reasons why I did that is because I, I thought about my parents. I was like, okay. And, you know, it's a funny thing. I thought about my husband as well. I was like, when he was dating me, he thought he was going to marry an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I bamboozled him and he got a, a teacher. Um, so um, so I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, let me at least give it a try. You know, I can't say I don't like it if I didn't even try it. So um, I did give it a chance and it was good. It actually re- was really good. The pay was great, uh, but it was a void inside of me. Um, and, and it wasn't until I went and started my, the tutoring company. I never thought I had an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit in me either. So, but I just knew I wanted to do it. And the flexibility and the time that I have has been amazing. I make my own hours. Um, I was able to replace my engineering salary, tutoring, and I don't work for I have not worked 40 hours in years. And so just um, I've, I probably could have done that sooner, but I think it, it's all about the process. And so I would say um, just staying true to yourself Yes, you can take advice here and there, but ultimately search within yourself and see what you want, what you love, what your passion is, and follow through. Now, that is uh, really inspiring, and I like what you said about being true to yourself. Just recently, uh, I think a couple of days ago, I was reading this article about, uh, you know, like how do you raise your game? How do you raise your bar? And one of the quotes uh, in that blog or the article was about don't copy other people, make them copy you. And what that means. Uh. And, and and the idea was it's a quote by Tim Grover, I think is written one of the New York Times bestselling book. And now the book escapes me now. But, but I think his quote was something to this effect that from this point on, your strategy is to make everyone else get on your level. You're not going down to theirs. You're not competing with anyone else ever again. Wow. They are going to have to compete with you. So it's it's like, so the point is, run your own race. Don't compare and live mm-hmm. your, be true to yourself and exactly what you're sharing here with our audience. That is so great. Uh, and then the next question I have for you is, if you could go back in time, Sandra, and talk to your young self, <laughs> really young self, <laughs> What advice would you give her? Hmm. What would I tell young Sandra? Younger Sandra. <laughs> yes, younger Sandra. <laughs> a seventeen-year-old, um, a sixteen-year-old, younger Sandra. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would I tell her? I would say, hmm. What would I tell her? I'm not sure. I would tell her. To what's funny, like um, I got my have my bachelor's in electrical engineering, but I do eventually plan on going back um, into graduate school. So I was thinking, man, I should just stuck it out. (laughs) (laughs) So I would have told her, girl, just go ahead and get that master's and then, you know, think about the Ph.D. 
since um, I know I'm going to pursue that eventually. So I kind of wish I did that because right now I'm juggling so much and I probably won't be able to really take any classes until my my kids are a little bit older because right now I always tell people, especially when I'm, I'm speaking into their lives, that my kids don't care that I'm out there saving the world. What they're going to remember is whether I was around or not. Mm-hmm. So um, what I do um, whenever, like visually, when I walk into the house, because most of the nights I get home um, a little bit after 9 p.m. That's when I'm done with my last tutoring session. I'd come home and I literally have to brace myself. I, um, I am now a mother and a wife. And so I have to disconnect. I ask them how their day was. And on, on whenever I have time, I try to spend time with them. So I don't have time to have homework. I don't have time to um, be working on my thesis <laughs> while I am working on being a mom and a, a wife right now. So I would tell my younger self, Hey, just knock it out before you start having babies. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> well, that's funny. Now let me ask you this too. And this brings up another question. And this is, uh, came from one of our listeners. And that is what advice would you give to someone entering the phase of marriage and parenting. I know you have two wonderful kids and you and uh, Isaac, now you've been married for how long now? It's been... Uh, we just celebrated 14 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And we've been, and we've been dating for 18 years. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's that's really great. That's amazing. So, so yeah, what, what advice would you give to someone entering that phase of marriage and parenting? What I would recommend, I have loads of advice for that. But I would recommend as far as in the marriage tip is to continue dating your spouse. Whatever you did to win them over, to get them to the to that altar to say, I do, you want to maintain it within the marriage. So um, I'm a huge fan of uh, deliberately dating your, sp- your, your spouse. Um, and that's how you increase intimacy and um, make schedule, make time, schedule um date nights or day dates, whatever it is, make it consistent. I go on a weekly basis. It doesn't necessarily have to be a long drawn out uh, move, uh, day dinner and all that. What I do, if we don't have time, we wake up a little bit early. We'll have tea and coffee 30 minutes before the kids wake up and to just to stay connected. So um, make sure you have alone time without the kids and entering um, the parenting phase, my advice would be, um, I think sometimes it does come naturally as far as parent, um, parenting, um, once because my mom was with me for the first few months of my first child. And then I got a swing of it. But like I said, be present, let them see you. If there's a game, be present and, um, keep that union together. Together and dinner time, no technology at the table, and just converse with each other. Oh, that's amazing. So deliberate dating and uh, being present and no technology and so that you can establish real uh, connection. That's awesome. Yep. 
So we're going to move on to our next round, uh, next section of this podcast. This is called the rapid fire round. And Chandra, uh, this is where I'm going to ask you a bunch of fun questions. It's the first response <laughs> that comes to your mind. Of course, if you want to elaborate on it, feel free to do so. But again, this is just a rapid fire round. So my first question to you is, Chandra, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. So my first question, where were you born? In the Bahamas. Nice. And where do you live now? Cleveland, Ohio. What was the most unusual job that you took? <laughs> um, I I was an undergrad. I took pictures of kids while they were sitting on Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's uh, what rock star has impressed you? Actually, I don't know. I don't know much. <laughs> I don't have many rock stars. <laughs> I don't follow them. Okay. Well, we'll pass on that. We'll get to that uh, maybe later. So what color describes you best? The color that describes me best, I would say cyan. Um, cyan because it has a hint of blue and green in there. So blue is pretty calm and relaxing. But green is high energy. And that's me. <laughs> I like it. If God exists, can she be trusted? I believe that he does exist and I trust him every day. The next question is if we could ask God one question, what would that be? Uh-oh. Um oh goodness, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to you. Okay, so what are you not very good at? Hmm. Wow. Okay. Um. Oh, I know. Consistently cooking for my family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what book have you read again and again? Um, actually, the book I've read again and again has, has been The Five Love Languages, mm. uh, Gary Chapman. I feel like even though it's a relationship-based book, it applies to everybody um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we have relationships, whether it's, you know, marital or business, and everyone has their own language. If you pay attention, and you'll see the different um, languages uh, or how they um showcase or come out on others and i feel that those five you can you can figure it out that's so great and then the final uh, question in this rapid fire round section is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard what would that be my message would say i have the power to pursue my purpose i like that the power is within you. The May the force mm-hmm. be with you. I like that. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, do you want to take another shot at uh, your favorite kind of musician, rock star? Or oh, music? you know, I would probably say, you know, Michael Jackson was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go with Michael Jackson. All right, so uh, this is the final section of our interview here. It's the wrap-up round. And so I just have three questions for you. The first question is, what is your current personal or business passion project and uh, that you're working on? And what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year? Um, currently, I am working on 
providing a positive light on millennials. And so um, I'm working on I'm just interviewing um, and, and just ch- checking in on some millennials I've worked on with in the past, like I said, have been um, my students and just checking up on them because I know there's the PhD. There's one that just had an internship um, in the financial d- industry. So I want um, to let people know that they're out here doing great things. So that's my passion project. <laughs> well, that is great. And then uh, how can people reach you, Sandra, if they have uh Options or questions on mentoring or tutoring or life coaching? Well, my handle on social media, Twitter and Instagram is um, I am Sandra Roach. And my website is www.sandraroach.com. And most of the time, all that stuff is on there. So they can just direct message me on there and I should be able to reach out. Excellent. And we'll include all that information on uh, show notes uh, as well. And so uh, and that's that would be a great way to get in touch with Sandra and let her know what did you think about this uh, podcast as well. Uh, the next question is, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? I am grateful for my husband. I am grateful for time. So the flexibility of time. And um, I guess I have to say I'm uh, grateful for my family as well. <laughs> no, that is so great. And then I just want to acknowledge you, Sandra, for a few things. One is what an incredible journey that you've had and uh, all the way from dreaming to become a teacher and then taking a distraction or a detour uh, towards becoming an engineer, but then coming back on your own purpose and path and finding your calling of really helping out the millennials and shaping these uh, their lives to uh, really uh, become successful in their own right. And, and what an amazing role model that you are and including to raise a family of two wonderful kids and to show all of us what a wonderful and happy marriage can look like. And thirdly, it's just that your incredible positivity that we all see through your sharing on all the social media posts, it is very contagious and uh, it is just incredible that uh, you have so much of enthusiasm and joy that you bring to, uh, to our society and community. So thank you for everything that you do. You are welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Great. And then uh, I've got one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews. And the question is, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Well, people should listen to the wisdom of friends because that's exactly what it is. It gives insight um, and just insight to others and letting people know that in this journey, you don't have to be alone because other people have gone that way or um, there's too many mistakes out there to do on your own. So if you're learning from others and friends within the community, we all can grow together and be successful. No, that is so great. And thank you. So again, I really appreciate our time and our valuable conversation here. I really, really uh, think that it would make such a big difference uh, for our listeners. 
And uh, for those of us listening, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.